Welcome to Airwave. Airwave is a conversation hosted by me, Morgan Page, where music and technology converge to tell the stories behind the artists and the architects of creativity and technology. Radio is where I first discovered electronic music in the countryside of Vermont, and music and technology provided the path forward. Airwave is an exploration of how people make their art and how technology plays an essential role in the process. The show is largely conversational, but doesn't shy away from going deep and technical in the process. The first time I played California Love live in front of people was with Just Blaze, which was incredible. I played California Love, and the crowd just went crazy. I always imagine, you know, and you see on TV this this aha discovery moment, like I, this is the answer. I the breakthrough i've created time travel or something but you know if time travel is is really created it'll probably be you'll be able to move one second into the future all right welcome to airwave my next guest is bosco Conte. he hails from oakland california and he is the pioneer of the electrospit talk box a whole new way to create that talk box sound with a thing that actually you wear on your neck to create this crazy sound now he's actually won a grammy for his work with kanye west he's played on records by dua lipa and many more you've heard his playing you may not know the name but you will definitely appreciate the technique and the product that he's created with a successful kickstarter campaign for electrospit so we talk a lot about the history of the talk box how he developed the product and how he built the prototypes all his challenges along the way, and you're gonna hear him play it right in front of me. So enjoy, this is Airwave with Morgan Page. Airwave is brought to you by RME Audio. Innovative, user-friendly, and high-quality digital audio solutions, RME offers a comprehensive range of audio interfaces, converters, and mic preamps, all based around its unique and innovative core technologies. Multi-platform connectivity across Windows and Mac OS and iOS class compliance has earned RME a global reputation for providing support to all users on all platforms. Visit rme-usa.com to learn more. You know, that's one of the, the powerful things about an app is that you can take something that takes a lot of different steps to, to do and just combine it into one action where you just press this button and it happens and it feels like magic. And um, kind of like a macro. Yeah. And then you come. Totally. Yeah, basically. So in, in the past, what did people do when they wanted to play chords? Because it was traditionally with TalkBox, it was monophonic and you'd send a sawtooth out. That's right. How do people do chord? Do they just multi-track yes. it to get the harmonies? Or? It's just like recording a, a, a vocalist, a singer, you know, you just, you want the harmony, you gotta either have a few of them and, you know, it's not likely that you'll have a few people playing talk box at once. So you're gonna have to record track by track and put the harmonies down and um, just takes a long time. Sounds awesome, yeah. but, uh, you know, there there is another way to do it now. <laughs> I was always wondering because with like uh, Troutman and guys like that, where where they'd be performing live and there'd be chords, but that would just be uh, pre-played, or is that like a, a pre-played backing track? Either backing tracks. Uh, now now Zap, they they actually had like three people up there on the stage playing top box at the same time. So sometimes they would just do live harmonies, and they, they still do. So wow, yeah, it's pretty. Wow. Take some, take some skill and coordination and practice. So take me back to like the, the early beginnings. I mean, even before Electrospit, but way back like Alvino Ray, these guys that were early pioneers, they wanted to kind of imitate, was it pedal steel or 
they wanted to imitate some of these Hawaiian sounds. Where did all of this sort of human expressive origins, where did those roots come from with the talk box? The roots of the talk box. Um, yeah, well, one of the oldest videos that I've, I've seen uh, is, it's actually the Sono Box, and you have these guys off stage playing the saxophone and uh, the guitar and, and different instruments and piping it through these speakers. And this, uh, they go through this guy's neck and he's on stage and they have a like a, a puppet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's kind of weird. It's That's the most surreal video. I was watching it thinking like, am I imagining this happening? It was, it's so ahead of its time and so surreal. Yes, yes. But that, I mean, that technology, um, I think that technology turned into how do you make that more portable? Because that, that particular, uh, the Sonobox was... It wasn't loud enough. It wasn't portable enough to play in, in a live situation, and it, you know it, it required two people. You had to have one person, you know, playing the instrument and another person holding these uh, speakers on their neck. And uh, it, it evolved into the bag, and then uh, which was a speaker in a bag with the tube that came out, and then eventually into the talk box, um, which uh, I think it's. Uh, uh, don't give me the line up here, but it, <laughs> this, uh, um, yeah, this is in the, the 40s or the 50s. Uh, that, that this was. I was gonna say who I don't even know the first person that put the tube in to the to the box. Right, right, yeah. I I actually don't know either, <laughs> but <laughs> but Bob Bob Hyle was one of the first people to um, to commercialize it and uh, and um, make it um, a little more accessible. And then uh, Stevie Wonder is one of the first people that I, you know, that I'm aware of that was using it. Um, and he wrote before he even made any records with it. Uh, he wrote that "Tell Me Something Good" for Shaka Khan and Rufus. And uh, they, it was originally written as a complete talk box song, and then wow. they, uh, she covered it and turned it into a vocal song. Wow. So you and, and with your history, how did you get into music and how did the talk box come into your world? So I grew up, uh, I grew up breakdancing and um, and I won a set of turntables in the breakdance contest when I was in middle school. And uh, the the top music that we would breakdance and pop to was more about the owls, heartbreaker, freakazoid, all of these songs that had uh, talk box or synthesized voices. And I didn't realize at the time, but it was, you know, I was being uh, conditioned to, uh, um, and this is just the music that I grew up loving was this uh, talk box sound. And um, fast forward to um, producing music and um, in at USC, I went to I went to USC. I got a full ride scholarship in Los Angeles. I grew up in Portland, um, and uh, started producing music out there. Got a record deal with Atlantic Records, and the first piece of gear that I bought was a talk box. I always wanted a talk box. Got it home, couldn't figure out how to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't sound like Roger at all. <laughs> um, but luckily, a friend of mine, uh, a, a guy, a collaborator, a guy named Papa LQ, he was cool with this producer named DJ Battlecat. Who just happened to be up the street at Soundcastle working with the Dog Pound, and he said, "Hey, you know, um, yeah, I can show you how to do it." 
checked out BattleCat in the studio. He told me where to place the tube. Um, you know, just some of the basics of how to play top box, and I was off to the races. I started using it on like all of my productions um, at the time, and just really, uh, I love playing it. It added a, a unique sound. Um, people started to know me for playing the top box. I put it all over E40's um, Element of Surprise record. I did songs with uh, Tyrese. I did a song with uh, Tupac and the Outlaws. I did a song with Limp Bizkit. Just, I just put it on all of my, um, all of my records and uh, it became a signature sound for me. And uh, so you, you're known as the talk box guy. Like when they say we need yeah. talk box, let's get Bosco on this. Definitely. Definitely. And I didn't really set out to do that. It just, it just happened. You know, um, I always, it was always fun to add it. I, it you know, I, I would create a song and then add some talk box and it would always take it to that next level. And those a lot of times were the songs that got picked. And, and then, um, I started to become known as the talk box guy. And, um, Another friend of mine, a guy named Mike Karen, who uh, was uh, uh, an NR at Atlantic Records, uh, he was doing a song with T.I., who he had just signed, and he hired Kanye West, a new producer, to produce that song. Um, and it was a remake of, Let Me, of uh, uh, I Want to Be Your Man. And Roger had recently passed, and they needed some talk box, so they called me for that record. Um, that went great, turned into a relationship with Kanye, and he asked me to come and be on his record in New York. So um, we uh, co-wrote the uh, Kanye's workout plan out in New York. That became the third single off of his Grammy-winning album, and that was a big deal. Wow. <laughs> 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 what was your your early setup like? Like, what was the exact keyboard and everything you used? I, I mean, I went through a couple of um, a bunch of different iterations. You know, the the first my first setup was I had the Heil Talk Box. Um, I had a um, Furman amp, like hundred watt amp, and um, I I had sampled a Sawtooth Wave out of my JD nine ninety, a Roland JD nine ninety into my ASR-10 and my, because the ASR-10 had the right portamento um, legato mode that the JD-990 didn't have. And that was my, that was my sound for like five years or something. When I started in a lot of the early records, that's, that's the exact setup. Wow. And so do you have to, I guess for people listening that, that maybe they haven't done a manual setup with a talk box that, that is it yeah. the DX100 or the DX7 is the kind of the, it gives you the right harmonics just with a sawtooth wave through it. Is that, is there a reason why that's always been the go-to? So the, the uh, originally Roger, you know, popularized his, his sound, he was using the, um, the model D and, uh, the, the, the Moog model D. And, and basically, you want to use a sawtooth wave because when you're playing the talk box, what you're doing is you're, you're putting a formant filter onto the signal that's coming out of your mouth. So you need a, a very rich harmonic sound so you have something to work with. If, right. if you have like a, a sine wave or something that's you know, very dark, then you can't change it with your mouth so you can't understand the words. Sine wave works great. A distorted guitar, uh, you know, 
I'm sorry, a sawtooth wave works great, a distorted guitar works great, and you can really understand it. But that's why a sawtooth is so popular. Um, the the Moog model, Moog model D is 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 probably the best, but it wasn't portable. It wasn't uh, reliable in the sense of being in tune. It wasn't programmable in terms of you know having uh, trans transposition or or different options on the sound. So what that meant was uh, when Roger was touring, it, it wasn't ideal. And they were actually running out of Model Ds. They were hard to find. So if they broke on the road, they would be stuck. So they transitioned completely to the DX100, um, mostly for convenience and re- reliability, but not necessarily for sound. Huh. But That's so interesting. But, yeah. Yeah, but what came out of that is um, he ended up using it on some huge records like California Love, and it it, it turned into a sound that people wanted. You know, it, it was uh, you want to sound like California Love, you can grab a DX100. <laughs> and were they doing any additional processing, like once they're in their studio or live? Was he sending it into any other pedals or just reverb and delays, or not even that? Uh, as far as I know, just uh, just reverb and delay. It's just treated like a vocal on the stage. Yeah. So it kind of depended on you know the engineer uh, at the at the house uh, at the time. But um, they weren't sending it through pedals. I mean, you know, directly. It was just going right into the microphone. So you know you're coming out of your DX100 or your uh, Moog Model D into the amplifier and that goes into the talk box and then that goes into your mouth and then you're going singing right into a mic or not actually singing your mouthing words and it's being recorded by a regular vocal mic i think i thought i was i i never realized when i set it up for the first time with the talk box was like oh yeah you got to capture it with a with a mic like right you think and probably a lot of people think that it's going to go you're di-ing you're going directly in somehow but you got to capture it I can't tell you how many times when I'm on stage about to perform, the, the, the engineer comes like, well, give me your outputs. Well, what do I, what kind of outputs do you need? What, you know, and I'm like, I just need a mic. He's like, yeah, here's the mic, but how do I get out of your keyboard? Well, I'm not, I just need the mic. <laughs> You're just a <laughs> It's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's coming out of my mouth. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like... And so people, they go for this traditional sound. Have you seen people using it in really unconventional ways, like beyond that sort of West Coast sound or the, the zap sound? Are you seeing people use it just as a filter in itself, as a way to spice things up? Or what, what else have you been seeing? I've seen you do it, <laughs> <laughs> which is really cool. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely used in, in all kinds of different ways. I mean, it's, it's West Coast sound, but, you know, craft work. Uh, and um, um, Daft Punk uh, used it obviously on uh, Stronger, Faster, and, and a bunch of records after that. And it's um, you know it's it's a uh, it's popular in all kinds of different music, rock music. So you know people are definitely experimenting and, and uh, using it as background. People are sampling it and turning it backwards, like Loyalty for uh, Kendrick Lamar. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great sound that can be used in a lot of different ways. I think that, yeah, the polyphonic mode, just being able to do chords with it is a total yeah. game changer. 
I mean, it's one thing to do monophonic, monophonic leads, but to have chords and using that as background vocals, you know, even band passing that behind the lead vocal, uh, like Zen yes. does. I just, I love that technique. I know I was using it as just almost like its own plugin as a filter mm-hmm. to just, uh, I don't remember if it was the headphone out of my DAW. It was, it was taking basically looping stuff out of the DAW tracks in there and putting it back in the recording. You can essentially turn any sound into words uh, or, or even if it's not words, you know, oohs and ahs and, and just uh, the, it's super fun just to connect to, you know, to be able to, to take a sound that, So yeah. any kind of sound and just filter it instantly with your mouth. It's just super fun. Yeah. It's, and it doesn't have to be a synthesizer. You know, it could be a violin. It could be, you know, piano. It could be uh, someone else's voice. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do. Yeah, I never thought of that, bumping someone else's voice into... <laughs> and changing the words. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's weird because I feel like the, the brain picks up on something about that this human effect where... Every time I used it as a filter to filter guitars or synths or anything else, just your brain kind of locks onto it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of like ear candy because I think it's it's something built into your brain that it's it's sounding like something's communicating. Sounding like communication. It's it's sounding human. Uh, so yeah, your 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 brain says I need to pay attention, but then it's not it's not exactly human. So then that adds like a, a little intrigue or curiosity. Like I hear this sound, it sounds like human and speech and I should be listening and trying to communicate, but it's not quite human. So what's going on? What right. is this? It's like uncanny Valley almost, but in a good way. Yes. Yeah, totally. Uncanny yeah. Valley. So for people that are watching and listening, describe it. So you have these projectors. So it's working. Basically the idea is there's no tube. The tube is just clunky and kind of unhygienic and, this is the mo- the modern evolution yeah. of the talk box is the electrospit. bit. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, you know, in telling the story, it, it reminds me of the experience that Roger had was he couldn't take this, uh, this model D around on the road because it was out of tune and it was hard to, to travel with. So he moved to the Yamaha DX100 because it was more convenient. I had the same experience, you know, when I wanted to perform live, like uh, at the American Music Awards with Kanye, I couldn't, I couldn't perform with it. It wasn't portable. It always has to be plugged in. So I said, oh, let's make it uh, portable, mobile. Let's, uh, let's get rid of this tube so I can share it with people and, and show them how to use it so I don't have to worry about the tube getting clogged. And, um, and I'm going to use it with my phone so uh, I can have stuff like chords and, and uh, different sounds. And I can have, uh, use the... Uh, I can program scales. I can um, add pressure to add vibrato. Just all of these different controller um, options that that um, that you can add with technology and um, make it easier to use and more fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So, take me to the early developings of this. Did you have a vision in your mind? You just thought there had to be a better mm-hmm. way to do TalkBox, or what did you? What? How did it start? Um. So I. Uh, I was asked to um, to apply to this accelerator called Zoo Labs in Oakland, 
And Zoo Labs is an accelerator where they take um, bands and, and music groups and, and, and teach them Silicon Valley startup techniques and introduce them to technology mentors and marketing mentors. And we went through this uh, two week residency, um, my, my, uh, my team, and we did this, um, this one workshop called Futures Thinking where you look at what's happened in the past five years in your industry. You uh, look at the trends and how they got to where you are today and then try to project them out five years in the future. And one of the trends that, that we really zeroed in on was that music production had gone from being in the big studio to the desktop computer, to the laptop computer, and we saw it going to the mobile phone. So we said to ourselves, how can we make this talk box work in the future with the mobile phone and it, it kind of informed uh, our design ideas for what we wanted to do with it and we started with a bunch of different uh really simple prototypes um that you put on your neck this one is a you know rapid prototyping is important you know you want to just get started so this is made with pvc and parts from ace hardware uh the first the first prototypes did not sound good. <laughs> they didn't work well, but they did something enough to be fun and to be interesting. And um, we 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 had this event where we uh, we wanted to get some customer feedback, or, you know, from real people. And um, it was it was around Christmas, so we put the the hardware around people's necks and we tied it on with a sock, a Christmas sock. <laughs> And, and you got the sock as a as a reward after the uh, after the event was over. But people loved it. We had pre-recorded songs like uh, Christmas carols and stuff, and it, it was just it was amazing. And we knew that we had something. Fifty, you know, twenty, fifty prototypes later, it's really you know starting to sound better. Uh, I was able to get it into the hands of Teddy Riley, a, a version that I had uh, put together that was you know. Um, that went around your neck. It sounded similar to the version that we have now. And Teddy was blown away. Uh, and I was blown away that he was blown away. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got it on some records, uh, a record with um, Skrillex, uh, Big Boy, and Phanagram um, um, uh, called uh, Drum Machine. Mm -hmm. That was the first uh, like major release that awesome. had the electric spin on it. And then we did something with um, uh, David Guetta. Uh, he, I showed it to him, and he he loved it. Um, and uh, I used it on Bruno Mars and uh, um, uh, David Guetta Versace and Floor remix. Nice. So, so what was um, it, when you're doing these rapid prototyping? What was the thing that were these incremental improvements, or was there something you changed? Oh yeah. That, like, was there one thing that was like, oh my god, we're using this type of plastic, and then change completely? Yeah. You you know, I I always imagine, you know, and you see on TV this this aha discovery moment, like this is the answer, I the breakthrough, I've created time travel or something. But you know, if time travel is is really you know created, it, it'll probably be uh, you'll be able to move one second into the future, right. <laughs> and then you know, ten years later, you'll be able to move one minute into the future, and then. Twenty years later, you'll be a, so. It was really uh, incremental, and um, you know, it didn't work. Then it worked just a little bit. Then I would, uh, you know, 
maybe this this uh, piece of plastic is too thick. So I change this the, the, the thickness of the plastic. Oh, it sounds a little bit better. Oh, this this particular piece uh, is too tight. Now I need to loosen it up and change the tolerances. And okay, oh, this isn't quite airtight. I need to make it more airtight. Oh, that's too airtight. It doesn't. So it was all of these little improvements, but over the course of five years of uh, making constant improvements and now the the sound compared to the prototype is just night and day you know it's it's like it is that aha oh my god we've done it we created this breakthrough but it just it didn't happen it's like it's probably like the music business overnight success right right 10, 10 years. years later <laughs> You know, I'm sure. I think it's funny. I feel like the the aha moment thing is made because you have to make a story compelling quickly, and you got to gloss over yeah. all the incremental improvements. It 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 totally was incremental, and it's still incremental. Like even today, you know, I have all these ideas of how to improve it, and you know, as I implement those, it'll just get better and better. And but having the experience of going going through seeing where something. Uh, can become so much better with those incremental improvements. It gives you confidence to like, okay, let's just keep pushing. We can make this a little bit better here, a little bit better there, and we'll look up and it'll be a whole new instrument that's just, you know, blows our mind. Are you, do, what do you have planned next with the, the design? Are there's, is it form factor stuff you're working on or, or more on the software side? Right now we're really focused on the software. Um, you know, adding features uh, like the polyphonic and, and, and making it uh, much more, more uh, or just easier and easier to play, uh, adding different sounds and, and making it so you can customize the sound more. Um, we're, uh, we're adding uh, a feature that um, allows you to sound um, like more human, I'd say. Oh. I mean, I think one of the coolest things about the talk box is that it doesn't sound human. It sounds, you know, how it sounds. Um, but we're also um, messing around with other, you know, other kinds of voices, essentially. Um, and uh, other than that, just, yeah, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I have a lot of ideas um, on how to improve it, how to, you know, make it, uh, make it lighter and, you know, better and um, faster, stronger. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be those incremental improvements and then, and, you know, we're still at the beginning of launching this product. You know, we've only delivered to, you know, most of our Kickstarter backers and we'll be finishing that up like in the next two weeks. And then we'll, you know, really start deliveries to more people and start doing more marketing and um, getting into into the hands of more musicians. So we're still at the beginning for this version. And I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface of what can be done with it. I've barely even made music with it. So. Yeah, <laughs> you've been too busy getting the orders out and just perfecting it. Yeah, is there? That's right. um, are you seeing it mainly focused on musicians and then expanding to more of a consumer thing? Yes, uh, I I think that it was important for us, and it's important for me. You know, I'm scratching my own itch with this uh, instrument. Um, I wanted to build the ultimate top box and the ultimate synthesizer to go with it in the app, and um, that appeals to other producers, and those that's the market that I really understand. And also, um, I, I think of uh, like consumers, like the mass market, they're looking to artists to 
you know, what's cool, what's new, what's uh, innovative. And we want to be at the cutting edge of that. And I think the consumer market will follow naturally as people get out there and make amazing music with the instrument. Yeah, because I wonder how it'll change as people, you know, who have like an hour or two in their day, they come back from the day job and they just want to have fun and make, you know, enjoy music for the sake of music, not a career or Mm -hmm. trying to get tons of streams, like prosumer category almost. Yeah, that's definitely uh, something that like probably the next version of the the ESX1, the ESX2, you know, it may be aimed at a, a a more broad market and we'll, we'll add features that make it easier for that market to use. And maybe it'll be pre-recorded songs and you know, other ease of use kinds of features and a different price point. Is there a, um, is there an arpeggiator in it yet? Or is that, is it mainly focused on the, the chord mode? There isn't, there isn't, but you know, that, that's an opportunity for, uh, for Morgan to uh, <laughs> <laughs> try something new. Um, I, you know, that, that's, I, that would, that would be dope. You know, um, I can, I can play, I can play like an arpe- arpeggiator yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, it, there's all kinds of things you can do. And, uh, I want, I want the Bosco I, technique I, in a box, basically. <laughs> Put your skills in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's basically what um you know that's what this is and we're getting better and better at delivering that you yeah. know the, the first part of that is being able to pronounce the words and that's one of the hardest things to learn with the talk box is how can you talk with this tube in your mouth but with the electro spit you don't have a tube in your mouth so you're automatically a lot closer to me to the bosco technique and then and the next part is having the right sound and you know we, we give you my favorite sound you can tweak it and change it however you want, but you start now with something that I really love, and uh, a lot of people enjoy it on a lot of records. And people should know too that the the mic choice makes a big difference, right? So it may not be oh, yeah. you don't have to have an expensive mic, but is it? It's mainly dynamic mics like a SM58 yes. or what, what do you recommend? Is there like yes. a top three mics to use? Uh, I would say my my favorites are the um um. Beta, uh, Shure Beta 57A, the Telefunken M80, and then uh, the Shure SM58. You know, kind of maybe not probably in those in that order. The 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 Beta is is really it's it's got more it's brighter and it's uh, got more volume than the other mics. Um, the M80 just sounds so smooth and clean and love the sound of the M80 and the, the SM58 is definitely solid. Sounds good. You have to add some high end. To all of those mics, you need to add a little high end to really get the sound like, you know, classic records like California Love and stuff. I was I was um, experimenting with, uh, you know, those cloud lifter boxes and I didn't realize mm-hmm. that you can plug an SM58 into the cloud lifter and it sounds like mm-hmm. a completely different mic. It sounds way better. It might sound yes. almost too good for a talk box because I feel like you can, mm. you know, you don't want a normal, people don't usually use condensers, right? Because they're picking up the air conditioner and the, like with, with something right. loud, uh, you want something focused and present, right? Yeah. That's, that's the reason you want the dynamic mic. The number one reason is, yes, is because of the pickup pattern 
is uh, it's it's cardioid or super cardioid, and it's really focused on what's coming out of your mouth. And when you're performing with the talk box, you want to be really close to the mic because you get uh, you can take advantage of the proximity effect, which makes the low frequency sounds much more present. And it's you know um, get, if you're playing really low notes. Um, And and uh, you just can't get that with the with the condenser mic. You, um, um, you also can't get it if you're not close to a condenser. If you you know if you're if you're using a condenser and you're far away, you're gonna be playing these low notes and it's just still gonna sound thin. And you know you want you want that sound to really hit and not be uh, to be in your face. Are there are there any plans to have a, uh, a built-in mic version? Definitely. <laughs> it seems like, like a Bane mask. I'm just picturing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that that is um you know I, I I've definitely experimented with um, with different microphones and you know it's it's the next evolution of how do you just make it easier and easier and, and require less other parts you know if if you can take the perfect mic and build that right into the product then you know, you just take it out of the box and stop playing. So, I, I, I mean, I envision a microphone and speakers being part of it at some point, but, you know, it's, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> one step at but a time. Dreams. That seems like yeah, a natural dreams. evolution, like one less thing to have to put in a stand or, or to have handheld. Right. And then you will have the, you will give the uh, the house, uh, front of the house, your, um, your output because, you know, you'll have this whole system and then you know, hopefully it can be wireless so you just tell them your frequency and then, yeah and then uh send you didn't just roam around the stage and sound like uh roger trout yeah and i do like i Robots mean for people film. listening to that maybe can't see the video you're holding it you're holding it in a way almost like what's that kind of portable uh there's that synth that has a, a tube and you can press the keys down but you're holding it almost oh. almost like you're like a trumpet you're holding it Melodica. Melodica, yeah. You think of them, yeah, like a melodica. Yeah, it's, I, I've definitely experimented with a lot of different ways to hold the, the phone and play. And at first, it was it was really a challenge. Like I would uh, go and play live, and uh, the mic stand would be wobbly, and I'm trying to play, and then I knocked the mic stand over. It was it was uh, it was. If you look at if you look at our Kickstarter video, um, you can see. The first time I played California Love live in front of people was with Just Blaze, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I, I play Cap. Let me see. Cap. California Love. And the crowd just went crazy. But right after that, the, the mic stand was loose and it just it kind of fell down. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> mic drop. A half of a mic drop, and it wasn't the right kind. <laughs> but it, you know, the, the the it was still cool. Everybody was so hyped. But um, I started thinking, how you know, how can I get a better mic stand? How can I, um, you know, uh, change the way that I set the mic? And then what I came up with was, heck, I can just hold the mic and and the phone in one hand and play it. And then the other thing is I want people to see what I'm doing. Like one of the purposes of, of playing live is so people can experience, they can see like the virtuosity and, and, you know, this guy is just playing on the keys. And if I'm just looking at a phone, you know, looking down, 
and, and people are like, well, what is he checking his Instagram during the show? I mean, <laughs> what's going on? No, I want him to see me actually, you know. You know, I want, I want them to see that. So you're seeing the fretboard, essentially. Yes, exactly. You're seeing the fretboard. It's just like I'm up there ripping uh, on a guitar or something. I just I have it, I have it up. I usually turn to the side so people can really see what's happening, and it's just part of the part of the show. Yeah, part of the performance. Yeah, it's a great technique. So, and are these yeah. all made in you the U.S. now? It's not overseas. Have you transitioned everything yes. over, especially with current situation? Yeah. So. Um, when we went to manufacture, we were originally going to manufacture everything in China and, uh, it was the end of last year and some, some of our suppliers, uh, were running late with their, um, you know, their parts. Some of the components weren't going to arrive and we were running into Chinese new year, which would have delayed us like two months. And that was in February. So, and I had just gone through the experience of building 50 units by hand for our VIP investors. So um, the people who invested in the company uh, at the end of uh, last year uh, got, in addition to their investment, they got uh, an ES61 talk box. And have after building 50 by hand, I said, you know what? I, we can build these here. I can build you know these and I can get a team together. So. Um, we we went to Zoo Labs and, and uh, they let us use the warehouse and we set up an assembly line and we started building them in January. And what, what was funny is that in January, uh, as coronavirus started to appear in uh, China, we were thinking how lucky we were that we missed coronavirus by manufacturing in Oakland. <laughs> and little did we know. Wow. A few months later, or two months later, we were going to be completely shut down in Oakland. But at least we were able to build, you know, more than half of our inventory before we got shut down. Uh, we were able to go out to Atlanta and win the Guthman International Musical Instrument Competition. We took first place in the People's Choice there, and that was an amazing experience. And uh, you know, our our sales took off after that and you know that's just like that's like the Grammys or the Pulitzer Prize of musical instruments so that was an honor it was kind of a huge letdown that you know everything got shut down yeah, from like yeah. a week after <laughs> but you know what's it like running a back. Kickstarter campaign like if you start from from zero and you, you mm -hmm. start with like a compelling trailer is it a really right is it a ton of work that whole process it, it was a it was a ton of work. It took a lot of uh, setup, um, you know, and we actually I'm going to say we were going to launch our Kickstarter in a few months or four years. <laughs> like w right when we came out of uh, Zoo Labs in 2000, uh, 2014, we said, you know, what, we're going to launch a Kickstarter at the end of this year. We're going to fund this thing. And, you know, we we weren't ready. We we're still working on the product. We we're getting our plan together. And this next year happened and the same, we're in the same position in the same position. 2018, we were out of money. Number one, we had spent everything we had uh, developing the product. Um, and we all, so that was the, the downside and, and meant that we we're going to do a Kickstarter now, or this is going to be over. 
Right. Um, and the other side of it was um, I had done, a, um, I had, I had, I had arranged a partnership with Native Instruments to uh, use the ESX One in the video promoting their new machine three. Uh, had a deal with uh, IK Multimedia to do some video with them, so we knew we were going to have some promotion uh, coming together at the same time as we were launching our campaign. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Fingers, who um, <clears throat> is also a talk boxer, introduced me to Just Blaze, and he said, man, Just Blaze loves technology. I think he would love this thing. Sure enough, he did love it. He shared, you know, our uh, the, the talk box and our um, the electrospit and our, our video uh, right after we launched our Kickstarter, and he got like a hundred thousand views wow. uh, on that, thing. and it was huge. So Kickstarter, um, we met Kickstarter at the Maker Fair. We met with uh, some of their reps and uh, started to build a relationship with them. A relationship with them before they. Um, before we launched our campaign, um, they gave us a ton of support. They they really loved the project, so we got that Projects We Love badge. They um, released it as part of their newsletter. So all of those things added up to giving us a really big first uh, week. We In like 48 hours, we had our campaign funded, and uh, we ended up wow. you know, going like 300% over our goal. But it was, it was a ton. I mean... Each one of those things that I'm talking about took a lot of setup. And in addition to creating, you know, we had 20, you know, all of these versions of the Kickstarter video itself. And, um, you know, we had a fully produced, like we had videos completely ready to go. And we said, oh, this isn't good enough. Um, we started working with this, uh, this team called Godspeed out of Canada. And they came out uh, from Canada and shot here at Zoo Labs, and we finally got a video that we felt was really powerful. And it had all of the reactions from people like Teddy Riley, uh, David Guetta, um, P Thug of Chromio. And those reactions were captured, you know, just, you know, randomly. I, I would meet, meet people and, and show them the, the electro spit, and, you know, they would go crazy. And we would capture that. And so that's video that was captured over like almost a year before the campaign. So ton of setup, ton of work in the middle of the campaign, just, you know, sharing it, calling people. You know, it's it seems like, oh, you just drop it on Kickstarter and it blows right. up. No, they'll come to you. <laughs> it blows up, they'll come. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's the it's the better. We built a better mousetrap, but we still had to sell the mice. <laughs> would you would you ever sell to a, a larger company? Have you had any interest from other other brands? Um, we we've had just you know initial talks really early you know, but it's I always use music business uh, you know analogies because that's what I'm the most familiar with. And you have a band with a hot you know hot song, hot demo. You know, do you, do you want to do a deal? Well, probably not. You, if you have the option to get that thing to the radio and start to see it blow up, your deal is going to be 10 times better, 100 times better. Same thing with this instrument. I think maybe we could, you know, sell it for, you know, 50,000 or 20,000, something small, you know, could have in the past. But now that we have 
a bigger user base. We've developed it so much more. It's worth, you know, a hundred times more than it was then, and it'll be worth a hundred times what it is now in the next couple of years after we develop the market. And I'm loving what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm I'm playing talk box. I'm showing some of my favorite musicians how to play an instrument that I created. Like the, I, I'm, I'm checking off my bucket list. Like I I, I got to show this to Stevie Wonder. <laughs> And he, you know, he's playing it, playing his hits on it. And, you know, it's it's, it's, it's just amazing. You know, why do I want to stop that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't need it, I mean, and then I feel like, does a company, would a larger company want to see like a suite of different products or do they, do they go for something that's like one singular product? Uh, I think it just depends on, you know, what, what kind of deal, like if, uh, if a large company you know, they might want to license the product or buy the product if you have a sufficient, you know, user base. Um, but again, you know, the money would be okay. Uh, but if you if you have shown the ability to develop multiple products, then maybe they want to buy your company and, and look at you as a, um, a source for new, for new products over a long period of time. So obviously that would be much better if you're able to not only um, develop the products, but figure out how to market them and build all the infrastructure for selling the product. And that's worth more. It's just, you know, it just depends on how much money you want to make and how much effort you want to put into um, building, you know, yeah. you just want to come up with ideas and sell them, you know, that, that there's a market for that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. So, but, um, so what's next? You said you're more with the software development, maybe cosmetic changes to the unit or, fit and finish is uh what, what's the biggest priority right now uh just i, I think just getting it out there you know it, like building building a um a marketing machine and a um and and uh not just the not just a marketing machine but a system for helping people learn how to play an instrument like it's one thing to get people guitars, but can you turn them into guitarists? You know, so um, we're working on developing that system. So when people buy it, they have resources on how to learn how to play it, on what to play. They have other people to play with. Um, and, and I think the more developed that ecosystem is, the more valuable the instrument is. And, and my mission is not just to sell as many top boxes as possible but my mission is to help as many people play the instrument or an instrument and and just or to be recognized for their ability to produce and, and it's, it's just how can i elevate all of these artists and give them tools to make more music and um, that so we're just at the beginning of that mission. I can, sure. I can almost picture on the interface, like with karaoke, where there's the bouncing ball and the lyrics, where you're highlighting yeah. the notes to play. Because when I have the app, I'm almost like, all right, shoot, what do I play? I, I, California Love, that's all I can think of. And then, you know, <laughs> right, like, right, right. what's, what's yeah. next? How do I jump into this and show somebody how amazing this is? Yes, yes, to totally. Uh, um, we don't have that, you know, interface developed, but um, recently I uh, I shared... Um, a screen recording of playing a couple of songs. I think it was uh, Don't Leave by Teddy Riley. And people really loved seeing that and seeing the notes. And it got me thinking, you know, I just, I need to release more material where people can see how do you actually play this song on the app. Yeah. 
And I think that, you know, we should ideally, we should be releasing a song, you know, every week or every day and, you know, um, have a, this huge library of songs that you can play uh, and, and learn how to play because, again, doesn't doesn't matter if you have this instrument if you don't have anything to play on Right, it. and to have that stream of additional purchases the user could buy to once they've made that mm-hmm. main purchase. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's a big part of what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, great, is that, that, that content and, and, and learning the learning system. How do you play the tone box? It sounds so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what we want to do. That's the, the future now is like, how do you compress the learning? So it's, it's faster and right. Whereas in the past, you know, you spent 20 years mastering an instrument and now maybe what's, how do you master it in six months or a year? What changes? Right. How, how do you present that? How is that done in an app? Yeah. Mm, I, I, I love that as, as a challenge. Yeah. I take that as a challenge <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's what I'll, I'll uh, be working on. You know, I can basically, uh, you know, deconstruct my own journey. I, I mean, I've been playing TalkBox forever, but I've only been playing the app for about a year and I'm pretty good on it. Um, so, you know, I, I gotta, you know, I can, I can uh, look at some Tim Ferriss, uh, <laughs> <laughs> strategies for rapid learning and, uh, figure out how you can break down, uh, the talk box, uh, learning technique and really help people get better, faster. Yeah. So, yeah. That'd be cool. Like a little PDF guide. I could see that. Like, best practices, like over enunciate the vocals, use a dynamic mic. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah. Give me, give me the rundown again on it. So yeah. Dynamic mic, vocals, placement. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a sweet spot. So when you, when you put it on, it needs to be tight uh, against your neck. It needs to be up against the bottom of your chin and you have to drop your tongue because uh, the sound is traveling through your neck. And if your tongue is at the top of your mouth then it blocks the sound so um you get those three things right the, the placement the, how tight it is and dropping your tongue that that's you're off you know off to the races um next having the right mic you, the dynamic mic sm uh assure beta 57a or sm57 sm58 um easy to find and you want to be really close like lips almost touching the microphone and that gives you the best sound um you use the app the tap uh is the sound is already optimized you don't have to do anything you just plug it into your iphone and turn the volume all the way up all the way up yep all the way up 100 percent on your iphone and you're you get so now you got you got the placement you uh you got your position in your in your technique as far as the the tongue in the right place you got the right mic you have the right uh, sound, and then the way that you make words—it's kind of like beatboxing. Um, you have to overemphasize the, t- but you're not actually using air from your lungs. You're just pressing it out of your mouth. So if I say, if I go pop, 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 it's—that's it, what it sounds like. If I don't play the keys, it just sounds. Right. If I play the keys, you have to kind of deconstruct each word because 
the tone from the synthesizer, which is in the app, provides the vowel sounds and you provide the consonants. So then you just start practicing, you know, saying your ABCs and then A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You have to learn your ABCs first before you can. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then you, know, you can count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And that teaches you how to say each consonant and uh, and each vowel sound. And then you start practicing melodies, you know. um, And then you have to know how to freestyle when you when you mess up a melody, you just keep going. Um, but um, but yeah, you uh, practice simple melodies, practice scales. You can practice with a metronome. Um, you know, so your timing. You know, just like any instrument, uh, your rhythm is important. And practicing with a uh, metronome helps you uh, learn how to play uh, in time. So I, I practice with a metronome uh, all the time, or practice to instrumentals. You know, just just freestyling. Oh. And uh, another tip is uh, when you're talking um, or singing, you change notes and you change tone with each syllable, and that helps you understand the words. So you don't just hold one note. You don't just hold one note down and then keep on talking, or it's kind of annoying and it's hard to understand. <laughs> You change notes with each syllable, and it makes it easier to understand. And then you can also add vibrato, and that makes it even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> and with your so, setup right there too, you have a little amp that you're, so you just hear it here because we're not in a in a DAW, obviously. Is it? Do you just have a? Little- I just have. Right now, I'm I'm just. Uh, I'm just using this mic uh, instead of using the mic on my computer, like, you know, the built-in computer uh, on the MacBook or on the camera. I'm using my uh, Telefunken M80 um, as the mic, and it's going through an interface. I just have, like, an M-Audio M-Track 2x2, so it's not super high-end or anything. And then that's just going directly into Zoom um, with no effects or anything. Oh, cool. So yeah, you don't need, and I have headphones on, so you don't necessarily need an amp. But um, it's it's a lot of fun with an amp too. I will say that if you're gonna play at home, it's more fun to play with an amp. Just like it's more fun to sing with an amp, it's more fun to play uh, an electric guitar with an amp. Yeah, it's more fun to play the talk box. There's something more direct with the amp that I love. Where it- I am always DIing guitar in and using amp modeling stuff. And then it's like, oh, just plug into an amp and there's no latency. There's no drivers yes. to install, no, <laughs> no updates. Yes. Yes. And you get to feel the vibrations, you know, in your body. It's, that's, that's the way to go. Yeah. That natural compression. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely be respectful of your time. I know you're a busy guy and uh, this has been great, man. Anything else you want to cover before we uh, wrap up? 
Uh, you know, you can find me at uh, um, at Electrospit, E-L-E-C-T-R-O-S-P-I-T on Instagram and at Electrospit.com. Uh, you're interested in grabbing an ESX-1 uh, and on uh, Instagram, you can see all of our latest videos and people you know, playing and enjoying the ESX-1 and we try to repost uh, stuff that people are playing so we can just uplift the whole talk box community. So whether you're playing uh, an electrospit talk box or some other talk box, we'd love to have you uh, uh, follow our page and, and, and we'd love to repost what you're doing. Great. So, All right, man. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. No, man. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. me. I'll be, uh, I'll be checking out the podcast. Yeah, man. And uh, congrats on a successful release. It's an amazing product. So I got to get the new update and try, uh, try the chord mode some more, but it sounds amazing. Yes. Yes. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see what you come up with. We, we uh, definitely uh, took some of your feedback and, uh, you know, you were uh, suggesting a certain layout for the, uh, for the chords and it, it, it made more sense for us to put it in a rectangle in the circle just because of space requirements. But that just definitely your feedback helped us in thinking about how to do it. So I appreciate it. Great. That. All right. The Bane mask is next. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Hey, you know what? You know. We got, we got. Corona, it's just like a two-in-one. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, yeah. <laughs> it's a communication <laughs> device and a talk box. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, that's actually one of the issues with, you know, wearing a mask all the time. It makes it hard to talk, so. Yeah. I have to keep that, keep that yeah, in mind. Yeah, there you go. Just send me a royalty mm. and we'll be all good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right we'll, 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 do, we'll do the signature, the signature Morgan, Morgan page. All right, man. Congrats. All right. And good luck with everything. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Thank you. All okay. right. Take care. All right, so there you have it, Bosco Conte, the creator of Electrospit, the portable talk box that you wear around your neck. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's done some amazing records with Kanye West, Dua Lipa, and many more. So you're going to see this device popping up everywhere. It's really fun to use, really exciting to see a whole new way to play the talk box and get more creative with your records in the studio. So thank you for tuning in. I will see you next episode on Airwave. Thanks for tuning in. Airwave is brought to you by RME Audio. Innovative, user-friendly, and high-quality digital audio solutions, RME offers a comprehensive range of audio interfaces, converters, and mic preamps, all based around its unique and innovative core technologies. Multi-platform connectivity across Windows and Mac OS and iOS class compliance has earned RME a global reputation for providing support to all users on all platforms. Visit rme-usa.com to learn more. Thank you.